God formed us in his imperishable image and so did not intend for us to die, as we hear in the reading from the Book of Wisdom, to quote, Death was not God's doing, but rather it came about through the devil's envy. You see, Satan refused to obey God, and he does not want anyone else to be obedient to God and to love God. So first to Eve and Adam, and then to every human person who comes into this world, Satan and his fallen angels do all they can to lure them away from God, that is, to tempt them to sin, whether in minor or serious ways. As St Paul says in the fifth chapter of the letter to the Romans, once sin entered into the world, what followed was death, along with sickness and suffering. Let us just consider this, because it is of enormous importance to our faith. When God created our first parents, Adam and Eve, he gave to them magnificent gifts, which he did not give to the other living beings of the created order. God bestowed on Adam and Eve the gift of sanctifying grace, the most precious of all the gifts he gave them. This grace made them partakers of the divine nature so that God was present in their souls and they could be united with him in the most intimate of friendships. It is implied in the book of Genesis that Adam and Eve walked together with God in the cool of the evening in the beautiful garden he had given them. It was God's design that after a short period of probation they would pass painlessly out of this world into heaven and dwell with him there forever, seeing him constantly face to face and sharing in his own eternal bliss. In addition to the great gift of sanctifying grace, God also bestowed on Eve and Adam the gift of integrity, whereby their wills were in a state of innocence and were totally in harmony with God. This meant that all their desires and all their appetites were under the careful guidance of reason, and so there was no sin within them. A further gift from God was that their bodies could not feel pain, and whatever the passage to heaven was to be, there was no corruption and no decay of the body. So the paradise of Eden was not just a happy place, but an existence way beyond what we know and experience in this condition and in this state. Remember, that is what God willed for all humanity. Perhaps now we can understand a little more the devastating effects of sin upon us, upon our bodies and upon our souls and upon our very existence and thereby hopefully 
our distaste for sin can grow. God, however, is immensely resilient and constant in his will for us. This is why the Father sent his only Son into the world, to free us from sin. It is only when we are free of sin and sanctifying grace is operative in our soul and in our body that we are turned in the right direction towards that original existence for which God created us. So Christ came to free humanity from sin because when we are free of sin, there is also the promise of eventual freedom for the soul and for the body from death. And while not a removal of suffering and sickness, the capacity to bear it for the purpose of repairing the dreadful effects of sin upon ourselves and upon the world. In the Gospel reading of today's Sacred Liturgy, we have two moving examples of Christ's ability as God to heal sickness and even to bring what is dead back to life. As God, he has power over both sickness and death. And he has this power because he has power over sin as well. Christ, as God, can destroy sin. And that is what he did through his obedient death on the cross. This is why Christ is the one and the only one who can save us from sin and save us from sickness and save us from death. Let us consider both of these miracles. The woman who had endured the hemorrhage for 12 years was truly in a pitiable condition. Not only was she ill, there seemed no hope of getting better, even after long and painful treatment. She does not dare approach Jesus openly, because according to the law of Moses, she was unclean because of the flow of blood. For this reason, she touched him from behind not daring to let herself be seen. She is most certainly full of faith in Christ because she knows that if she could but touch him, she would be healed. And so she was. The Lord wanted her to be known and to praise her faith to his apostles so that they might learn from her. It also gave Jairus a confident confident hope that his own faith was well placed, and he had every expectation that his daughter would also be healed. After this, how kindly our Lord tells the woman to go in peace, which could mean to go home and rest, after all the pains and torments she has endured, from which she is now free. The next miracle is even grander in scale because it is bringing someone back from the dead. This time there is the select group of apostles, Peter, James and John, who who witness this only. Likewise, those who scoff at our Lord and laugh at him are excluded from witnessing his power to overcome death. They do not deserve to be there. 
but it's touching again to see how Jesus is concerned for the girl's welfare. He told them to give her something to eat, because when children recover from sickness, they are usually very hungry. Brothers and sisters, sickness and suffering are part of our lives, we know, but God does not leave us alone. The sacraments of penance, of anointing of the sick, of Holy Communion, are the supernatural means God has given us to bear our suffering and to unite it with Christ's own redemptive suffering in reparation for our sins, in reparation for the sins of the world and for the salvation of the world. They are also the regular means of sanctifying grace. Death we have no power over, but we can be well prepared for death when it comes. How can we be ready for death? One way is the nightly examination of conscience and frequent sacramental confession. Another is to pray from time to time for the grace of a happy and holy death and to pray that we might be kept safe from a sudden and unprovided for death. In other words, that we would be able to receive the last rites of the Church and the apostolic pardon before death. Another way is to stay close to Our Lady and to St. Joseph. Recall that in every Hail Mary, we ask the Blessed Virgin Mary to pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. St. Joseph is the patron of a happy death because he died in the presence of Jesus and Mary. Fundamentally, we must trust in the merciful love of our Saviour for us. He has power over sin and over death. And as we noted in the Gospel, he is tenderly concerned for our welfare. Laudato Jesus Christus. Can I just add today a note that I will be going on my annual leave in the month of July, so more than likely I won't be recording any homilies or reflections during that month, but I look forward to taking up this interesting and also fulfilling task for me and I hope a helpful task for you in the month of August. May God bless you until we meet each other again through this podcast.